Welcome back everyone to Talking Devils, brought to you by TalkingDevils.co.uk. I'm your host, Keen Frain. Today I'm joined by four Manchester United players, Phil March and Lee Lawrence. Here, to talk, here today to talk all things Manchester United, all things Watford this weekend. Also going to chat about the Chris Lingard um, contract situation. Also going to talk, um, obviously, the, the, the derby game that happened before the international break and so on and so forth. I haven't seen these guys in two weeks, and obviously because the international break was on and look i think we all we all dread that from time to time when it happens mid-season not for me though because ireland were banging in the goals during the international break and the irish cr7 done the business so for me the international break was a uh, probably a welcoming thing to you know, because of the former man united lately but anyway um phil I haven't seen you in two weeks how's the form how are you keeping yeah good thanks mate all good um Football's been going okay. Um, again, we've we've sort of been picking up points and doing okay. We've got a big game tomorrow actually in the uh, FA Vars against Bursko, so that's that should be a tough test for us. That's a, a, a sort of um, team in the league above us, so looking forward to that one. But yeah, everything else going well. Obviously, moving house and stuff, so just cracking on with that, keeping myself busy. Yeah, you're a busy man these days, moving house, working away, playing football, always seeing. Um, your team social media post here seems to be scoring goals every week so you're, you're, you're on a bit of form at the moment and obviously big test now tomorrow with a team in the league above you so i say the preparations have been going well for that Yeah definitely just looking forward to it obviously enjoying my football and, and looking to sort of you know keep playing as long as I can obviously still enjoying it and, and you know offering something so as long as that's the case I'll keep going and as you say yeah looking forward to that game tomorrow it'll be a good test against it, a good side so yeah yeah, that's absolutely bang on. And and Lee, haven't seen you in two weeks as well. You're obviously very busy coming up to Christmas now as well. Um, how's the form? Good evening, guys. Yeah, thanks. Uh, been, it's nice to get back on the show, lads, and uh, have a catch-up. Uh, it's been very busy, as usual, with work. Uh, again, hate the international break. I'm so glad that that's come to an end now. Um, I can actually get back concentrated on what really matters, which is Man- for, me, for myself, Man United. I'm sure it's for you guys, you know. Um, it'd be nice to get back into some kind of normality and routine, especially with the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think, especially with the international break, it's it, it, there's not really much to talk about, is there, like, during during the break? Because, obviously, it's a two-week gap, and thank God this kind of last international break we're going to have for quite a while. And between now and Christmas, it's all, all systems go. All, you know, all systems go in terms of Manchester United. Massive couple of weeks coming up for us as a football club, even though last few weeks before the international break have been a roller coaster that's the best way to describe it but obviously during the international break um there's been a lot of talk about man united at the minute in terms of players contract situations in terms of players form in terms of players celebrating celebrating goals for their countries um phil i'll just come to you first obviously harry Maguire has been in kind of limelight in, in the kind of last couple of weeks in terms of in terms of his form, in terms of, you know, his, I suppose social media apologies and stuff like that, you know, he's been kind of in the spotlight because of that. Roy Keane um, was spoke um, after the the game the other night um, for England and Harry Maguire so took very well-taken finish, so a very good goal he scored for England. But he had a kind of a dubious um, celebration and kind of, I don't know who, what, what was that was assigned to, whether it was assigned to the fans, signed to the pundits, or was a boat. Um, 
what do you make of his celebration? Um, and just following that kind of Roy Keane's comments, and um, following that, do you think it was kind of justified considering his current form in in, in the Man United shirt at a minute? Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting uh, situation. I think, you know, Harry Maguire this season for uh, Manchester United has been well below par. I think we, we all agree on that. Um, you know, he, he probably, you know, needed that little break away from club football and, and scoring a goal for England, you know, always a, a massive achievement, no matter who you're playing against. Um, I, I actually think that the celebration hasn't done him any favours. I think it's something that, he didn't need to do. Um, I think it will. I think I said it at the time. It'll, it'll probably come back to, to bite him on the uh, backside because you know what it's like. People are always looking to shoot people down. And I think, you know, I understand that he's been getting a lot of stick. I understand he's been getting a lot of negativity. And, you know, as a, as a footballer, that's just something you've got to deal with. Uh, for me, Roy Keane's comments were justified. I, I actually agree with him uh, that, you know, you've got to, you know, concentrate on your own performances for club um obviously playing in your country uh, is, a, is a different sort of uh ball game your bread and butters at manchester united you've, you've come into the club you're the captain you know you're an 80 million pound player um you've got to try and just keep your head down and, and not give yourself um reason to be shot at and i think that's what he's done with with that celebration um, I understand, obviously, sometimes as as a player, you know, and, and thinking back myself, sometimes when you do get a lot of a sort of um, sort of negativity and you know, criticize people criticizing you for your performances, um, but you've you've just got to be professional about it, and you've always got to try and you know, just keep keep the sort of um, people who's going to try and shoot you down don't give him any reason to do that and i think by doing that celebration i think he's he's sort of you know made it harder now that he's he's got to perform now in these next couple of weeks otherwise that celebration will be getting banded about all over the place and saying you know what what are you doing and and i think it's just you know something that it'll, it'll probably be a learning curve for him moving forward yeah look i think for me i'm on mcguire like I think Roy Keane's comments were justified because I think you look at his current form from Man United, he hasn't been himself. And like I think he'd probably be first to admit he can do a lot better. Like we've seen last season, especially in the second half of last season, how crucial Harry Maguire was to Manchester United's defence. He, 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 he was kind of turned into a, a leader. He was growing into the role of a captain last season. Um, Obviously, when you consider this season, he's coming on the back of... Uh, Obviously, a loss in the European Championship final. He's been struggling with injuries, and he's struggling for form. And it, like this season hasn't gone his way, but for whatever reason, he has a chip on his shoulder for all the wrong reasons. And look for me, as you said, Phil, like concentrating your club football, keep the head down, try play yourself back into form. Because a celebration like that, you know, it's just, it's just gonna bite it, bite in the arse. And 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 the thing about this is now. The next time he makes a mistake, the next time, you know, he's in the headlines for the wrong reason, people are going to be looking at that. You know how fickle social media is. You, you know how fickle people are in general in this day and age. They're going to be going back to Harry Maguire on this and using that celebration against him. So, look, for me, I just hope he can kick back into form very quickly because the Christmas period, as we all know, you, you'll know better than me in terms of being at Manchester United. This this is meant to be the time of the season when Man United really start turning up and they you know they really kick into gear traditionally and and 
if this is the case, we need Harry on we need Harry on this on full form. We need the rest of our defense in good form. But I think just you know that celebration I think was a bit over the top for me. And you know, look, hopefully Harry can you know kick all this to one side, forget about what happened before the international break, and just concentrate on his football and concentrate on Manchester United because that's the most important thing, first and foremost. And um, Lee. What are your thoughts on Maguire's situation? Are you, you kind of in agreement with Roy Keane that though that was kind of embarrassing? And did you think maybe you know he seems to be a man under pressure at the minute? Yeah, I'm very much on the same wavelength as, as both you, you guys and uh, basically what what Roy Keane said. He, the lads made a mistake. You know, he, he shouldn't have celebrated that way. Uh, you can understand he's, he's frustrated. He's turning up on the pitch for United. He's, he probably is, you know, trying his best at the minute, and things just aren't working out out for him um, as, as a footballer especially this day and age I can imagine the amount of stick like I say not just from the fans you know verbally from the stands but also through social media platforms you know he's probably everywhere he goes he's getting a, you know a, a load of grief and to be honest quite a lot of it is justified for his performances um, so I think it's just been a, a frustration kind of thing why he's celebrated that way um, like I say, he's kind of made a rod for his own back because it would have got a hell of a lot of supporters backs up him doing that. I mean, let's be honest, who've we played into this international break? Me and Phil probably would uh, get a game against the two teams we've played. Well, Phil might, I might get on the bench. Um, but it's, you know what I mean? It's, 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 he's not done it against Germany or Italy. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, he's just done something and he's made a mistake. Um, He's, he's got to perform now, and he? he's got to come back. Like I say, he's, he's, he's the club captain. We all know on his day, he can be a real good player. He's just he's not showed that for most of the season. Hopefully, this international break's given him a bit of confidence scoring the goals he has done. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a turning point for him this season and he can kick on. But like I say, silly mistake. He shouldn't have done it. He's made himself look like a bit of an idiot. Yeah, like, look, again, I think it is going to come back to bite him in the backside. Hopefully, not as recent as tomorrow because obviously we all know how this world is headlines we wrote over sensationalized we all know how it's going to go so hopefully especially tomorrow against Watford he can pick back up his form because it's something that we do need especially at Rafael Varane at the minute you know we do need Harry Maguire to kind of come into his own and show leadership qualities at the back because that's what we lack at the moment I think at the back most most importantly is leadership and organization Harry needs to start doing that again, like he did last season. And if he can, then look, we can we can improve at the back. But if he doesn't, then look, we're we're in trouble. There's no two ways about it. I'm going to come to a couple of comments because we um we are looking at though Jesse Lingard and his contract situation. Um, so I was going to come to Dave's um comment first of all, and I'm going to get the lads' thoughts. I'm on the Lingard situation. Dave said uh, Jesse Lingard should hold his head in shame over that picture earlier, considering history between United and West Ham. It was very foolish. So uh, for anyone who's unaware, um, Jesse Lingard was on his social media platforms such as Instagram, and he had a picture posted up um, of him in a West Ham shirt. For anyone who doesn't know, West Ham posted up a video of one of Jesse Lingard's goals from last season for West Ham. And, and Lingard posted up the picture and also subsequently commented on the post. Obviously, he's... Man United fans have been commenting on that on that issue now because look, he's proactively posting up pictures in another club's jersey. Do you know he's again talks came out today that you know he's he's not going to be signing the contract. Do you know 
because he's out of contract in the summer. I'll come to you first, Phil. What's your thoughts with about Jesse putting up a picture in kind of another another club shirt and also about his contract situation, the fact that like he has nearly six months left in his contract and this could have been resolved in the summer. We could have got thirty million pounds for him. What what's your overall thoughts on this whole Lingard situation at the minute? Well, obviously it's not ideal, is it? I mean, you know, Man United at this moment in time is is in a really sort of um it's turmoil, uh, let's put it honest, let's be honest with the situation. And I think this uh, kind of thing isn't going to help the situation. And obviously, it's it's unprofessional. I think it shouldn't obviously have been done, whether there's talks going on behind the scenes or whether Jesse Lingard doesn't want to sign and move and, and go back to West Ham in January. That's obviously, you know, down to him and, and the club. But, you know, to actively put a picture on sort of the day before a game and, and you know, to sort of do it, it on social media where you know you're going to sort of you know get a lot of abuse i think it's just totally um unprofessional from from his point of view and and it was you know a very very stupid thing to do i mean i don't know if he's been advised to do that or whether that's just himself doing it out of frustration because he's not been playing uh i'm not sure but yeah this is obviously something that you know, bad publicity for for him personally and and for Manchester United again. Um, but again, it's 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 what it's, this is the kind of um, world we're living in now. You know, the, the social media side of things have took over. Um, you know, back when me and Lee were at the club, this kind of thing was was you know nowhere near the levels of what it is now. Um, and I just I just feel as though. The, the dressing room and the characters and, and the people who were at the club at that time wouldn't have allowed anything like this to happen. There, w- there wouldn't have been, you know, any of this kind of thing that would have been allowed to happen. Um, and that's just, you know, the way it was. And that's why that club and the, that team was so successful because they had people in the dressing room who, who would manage all this side of things. So Alex Ferguson was an amazing manager, but he also had players and leaders and personalities and characters in the dressing room who could, you know, nip things in the bud when things weren't going well, performances, you know, people needed an arm around them or, you know, whatever it may be, that would get done and dealt with. And and there was never really any, you know, unnecessary sort of drama or unnecessary sort of, you know, things that could put the the team in a bad light. And and obviously at this moment in time, it just seems as though everything's sort of going wrong. for Manchester United, and this is another sort of um, you know piece to piece to that puzzle that we're sort of putting together at the minute of bad things. And Lee, just on the back of what Phil said there, in terms of what Sir Alex used to have, in terms of leaders in the dressing room and characters in the dressing room to kind of police, I suppose, nearly almost my United players and and have them in check and make sure that on and off the pitch that you know standards are being met. Obviously, we've likes of Cristiano in the dressing room. Cristiano is obviously a leader and. Someone who I think has, I think we all know by the way he carries himself. He's he has the best standards possible, and he's a player who who's a role model. But do you think looking at this current dressing room now that we don't have them characters in the dressing room who can carry themselves professionally, or do you think maybe is this just a different day and age and a different type of player that there is now compared to when the likes of Keane and Scholes and Neville and Giggs were in the dressing room? No, we we don't have we don't have the team. We don't have that mentality anymore. Um, the 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 squad what we've built don't have the players like Phil said. Phil hit the nail on the head with, you know, you stepped into line. It weren't you wouldn't just get it off the gaffer. Keener would be there, and you'd have it off him. 
Gaz Neville be there, Phil Neville be there, Skulls there, even to a point gigs there, you know what I mean? You you knew if you stepped out of line, you, you, you know, or if you was a bit flash and you was doing silly things, i.e. what Jesse Lingard's done, you'd, you'd be getting the backlash off, you know, more or less the full team. It just, you, you wouldn't have done it. It's just, you know what I mean? It's It's been there now. Jesse's been there a long time. He knows Man United through and through. He's grew up at the club. Um, yeah, I can understand the frustration he's going through. If I was in his same situation, I, I'd be, you know, I'd be frustrated too. I, I, I'd want first team football. He probably deserves to get a lot more minutes than he has done. He should have been sold um, at the beginning of the season. Why we kept hold of him if we had no intentions of playing him, I, I don't know. And truly to God, he, he didn't have intentions of playing him because when he has played this year, he's played really well. You know what I mean? He, he, he does deserve minutes. So I, I, I can kind of understand this frustration. But at the end of the day, what he's got to think of is growing up at Man United, like the likes of me and Phil have. The difference is he's been getting a very, very healthy sum of money every week off Man United, playing or not. They've made him a millionaire at the end of the day. Well, he's made himself a millionaire, but have some respect. Have some respect for the club. What's you know made you the guy you are. You know, we, we all know you're frustrated, but show respect, show, you know, show a bit of pride until un, until you leave. Become a legend at the club. Maybe not a legend, but become someone who's, you know, liked really well at the club for being a Man United player and a Man United guy. Then other than doing silly things like putting a, you know, somewhere you've been on loan and, and done really well, he's, he's a rival and, you know, they're above us in the league. Just have a bit of respect. It's 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 not hard, is it? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think like when you look at it from that from that perspective, you have to be professional. Like at the end of the day, Man United you, they pay his wages. You come up through the through the academy. You're meant to be one of our own. Like there's a way to conduct yourself, and I think Jesse's let himself down. So I think all for all, like, I think Jesse Lingard, he's a very likable young man. Like he always puts in though 100 when he's on the football pitch. Off the pitch, he seems like a really nice guy though. Someone who's kind of someone who'd be a good character in the dressing room in terms of you know always being that upbeat character, but. Doing that now, I, I don't I don't like that either because like you're putting you're putting up a you know, pitcher in another club's jersey as Lee, Lee rightly mentioned a team who's above us in the league at the moment a team that you were you're only at the club for six months like less than six months you're at the football club you know so again it doesn't sit right in me hopefully I think, I think I think the other thing is too keen sorry to interrupt but I think uh, what 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 could happen is like like Phil mentioned. Has it come from him or has it come from his social media team? Has he been advised of his agent or, you know, that that never happened again in our day and age. But, it, you know, it might not be him. He might be getting influenced through, you know, through other avenues. He should, he should obviously know better to not do it, but you don't know what pressures you're under these days, do you? So it could, it could. And I'm hoping it has come from elsewhere instead of directly from himself. But you never know, do you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where, look, again... His social media team probably let him down if it was, if it was them, if that's the case. Um, like, I've seen, we've a comment in from Matt here. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to come to it there. Matt says, Jesse needs to um, look out for himself just because Man United pays wages. doesn't need to lay down and take a wage, wage cut to stay at the club. He wants to get back in the squad and needs to move. Yeah, look, I think we can all agree he needs to move and that's completely relevant. But when you're on the contract at a football club, when you're, when you're at a club, there's a way to conduct yourself. And there is a level of professionalism, especially at Man United, that once you're at the football club, you show them respect. And when you're posting up a picture in another football club's shirt, that's disrespectful. 
I don't care if you're getting a game or you're playing every week. That's that's disrespectful. You, you don't do it. So at the end of the day, there's a level of expectation in terms of professionalism at the football club, and what he done is 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 unprofessional. And I think that that's a fair that's a fair point. I, I think I think any any. United supporter, true United supporter, will completely agree that Jesse needs to go for his own good. You know, we 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 don't want to keep him at the club because it is lowering his chances with the England, and he's not progressing the way he should progress because he's a, he's a top quality player. And I think if you're a true United supporter, you know, we'd be glad to see him gone so, so we can progress in his career. I think it's more like you say, it's more about the respect for the club than anything else. Really, what uh, what's going to get most people's backs up? Yeah, absolutely. And look, that's again, it's not like. The fact that you know he's posted on social media, it's just the way he done it. Like again, a couple of hours literally after all he said, like he's gonna play a vital part in these next couple of weeks, and then subsequently a few hours later, he's posting up a picture of you know himself in a West Ham jersey. Do you know that there's there's a way to conduct yourself, and that's definitely not the way to do it. Obviously, moving on and um, looking ahead to the international, obviously. After the international break, now we're looking ahead, obviously, back to Premier League football, back to our bread and butter. Um, Phil, massive game tomorrow, away to Watford at Vicarage Road. Um, Watford, obviously, have the new manager bounced at the minute with Claudio Ranieri. They seem to be playing quite well under him. Um, they had a very smashing performance at Goodison Park, away to Everton, right before the international break. And Joe Ranieri seems to be getting them playing very good, especially on the counter-attack. Um, looking ahead to tomorrow, um, are you concerned about Watford's threats up front with the likes of um, Ishmael Asar and and former United player Josh King? Um, considering kind of I suppose the way we've been defending the last couple of weeks, would you be concerned about the direct nature um, of Watford's um, attack tomorrow? Yeah, I mean definitely. I think uh, I spoke last night with Rich Reese and Grant about the Watford game, and and I think you know it is going to be. A tough game, even though you know Watford. I mean, I watched him um, a couple of weeks back against Liverpool, and and he was pathetic. It, it was you know a terrible, terrible performance. Liverpool were outstanding that day, um, but Watford didn't offer anything at all. But as you just touched on there, I think in the last couple of weeks they've sort of you know found a little bit of form. Everton, you know, to be losing and to come back the way they did and, and score so many goals. I think you know they'll be confident, and and at the moment. I don't think there's that fear factor for any club playing Manchester United, which there always has been in the past. So, yeah, I think it's obviously going to be a tough, tough physical game. You know, they've got a lot of players who can, you know, if they turn up, they can they, they can hurt you and, and they can, you know, put a good sort of performance in. Uh, Sar's a very good player. I, I like him. Um, obviously, Josh King's been scoring, you know, um, quite frequently in the last couple of weeks. So it's going to be a tough test for me. Again, though, I always come back to this. If if Man United turn up and they can play to the potential, then you know there should be no um, reason why we shouldn't be winning that game of football quite convincingly. But as we've seen so many times this year with with United, the inconsistencies of performances, you know, individuals dropping well below par, um, you know, team performances not sort of hitting the heights that we, we should be doing with the sort of calibre of players that we've got. Um, for me, you know, it's 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 going to be a, a tough game. I think, you know, really on paper, it should be a game that we look at and say, yeah, that should be a, an easy three points. But 
at this moment in time with everything that's been going on, you know, players dips in form, the manager's been getting a lot of abuse and negativity, you know, the social media things with Lingard, there's a lot of stuff going on around the club at the moment that's sort of got negative vibes and, and you know, may sort of make it a little bit more of a, a, a tougher test because obviously the pressure's going to be right up on there on the manager to, to get three points. Um, so yeah, I, I actually feel like this is a sort of big moment in the season for us to, to sort of um, maybe turn a corner and, and try and you know pick up a couple of results and, and see if we can sort of go on a little run because otherwise the, the the season could be sort of over you know before Christmas and that's obviously you know a United fans' worst nightmare but something that could be a reality with the way things have been going. Yeah, I think especially I think tomorrow is. Um... Like it, it's massive if you consider like the, the defeat to City like in the, in the derby. I think look that for any United fan, the manner we lost, I think was disappointing, and we need to bounce back and we need to bounce back quickly because I think the title, if you look at it now, is a long way away this season. Provide like providing the, our rivals have a catastrophe of results in these next couple of weeks. I think the title is more or less gone at this point. I don't think we can do a get do a claw back eleven points. On based on evidence on current form, I don't think we can claw that that gap back. I think this moment in time, top four has to be the aim at least to solidify Champions League. Now at this moment in time, at the start of the season, it wasn't the aim. One hundred percent, it wasn't. We were like, if you anyone goes back and watches this podcast at the start of the season, we were all saying a title challenge is bare minimum this season and a trophy. That's like now like. We had obviously curtailing expectations back quite slightly, considering our points and league position at the minute. You'd be thinking at least top four and most definitely the FA Cup this season. It has to be. It's a must now this season. Um, but yeah, like I think it is a very tough game. Like I think the way Watford play, they, they're direct, they're decent on the counter attack. Ranieri always has his teams well organized. They'll be happy to sit back, to sit deep on the eighteen yard line and soak up pressure, and they'd be happy to do that. Obviously, they've, they've energy in midfield with the likes of obviously another former red in, in, in Tom, likes of Tom Cleverley in midfield who he can pick a pass and he, he is very energetic. So, like, Watford do have, um, do you know, they have their own qualities in their own right and they've they've the new manager bounce at the minute. So, we do have to show up at Vicarage Road tomorrow. Um, do you know, it, it, is, it is a tough place to go for some teams. Now, obviously, Liverpool went there and absolutely smashed them to bits, but. Like Liverpool are smashing everyone at the moment, not just not just Watford. So, like, look, I think we do have to go there and get 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 the right result. And for me, I, I think we have to go there with an attacking mindset tomorrow. Like, especially in midfield, we have to control it in midfield. Like for me, I will actually I'll have my head in my hands if I see a back three and then two proper defensive midfielders in front of the back back three. Because essentially, what we done against Man City, we played seven defensive-minded players against Man City, effectively, and we gave up the ball. So if we're going to play a back three tomorrow, we have to have progressive midfielders in midfield, Donny van de Beek. And obviously, reports came out this week that Solskjaer is um, very um, impressed with Donny this week. So hopefully, if that's the case, let's get Donny van de Beek on the pitch. Like I think if there's a time now to show your trust and show to know that you do want them at the football club, now is the time. Because obviously, look, City and Liverpool, they're gone. Now you look at these next few fixtures now in these next couple of weeks. Chelsea, Arsenal, Watford, 
Villarreal. Like these are all tough but winnable games. Winnable games, most definitely. And these are games where we do we do need to take the initiative and win these games of football. But we have to take the initiative. There's no like the, the amount of times we've done this season where we've been too easy to play through in midfield. We've so we've been lackluster at the back, you know. Even there's some games we haven't taken our chances, only for Cristiano's brilliance up front. Like, you know, we there's been times where we haven't been as clinical as we can be because we do have we fantastic attacking players. Like Greenwood is is gonna be a superstar. Rashford seems to be slowly but surely coming back into form though after his injury. And then like obviously when you have players like Bruno Fernandez, now People can talk about Bruno and he's not scoring as much this year, but like the amount of assists he has this year, like he's 14 goal, goal, goals and assists, like 14 goal contributions in 16 games. Like that's a brilliant record. Like considering none of them, like none of them have been penalty involvements with people brand Bruno at that brush. If we can get the best out of these attacking players, we can definitely go out and win these games. But we do have to be more adventurous in our setup in the way we play because you know when you have them type of players you need to you need to be you know all guns blazing you need you need to be you know you need to be man united you, you need to play attacking football and too many times we've we've lacked that edge and i think if there's a time where we've always seen during ollie's to a tenure when his back's been against the wall, he's always come out of it and he's always got results and he's always gone on a good run to get us out of it. If there's ever a time to do it now for Solskjaer, it's now. Like, yes, you lost against Liverpool. Yes, you lost against Manchester City. But here, but here's the thing, right? That's in the past now. You can't keep harping back to him results and say, look, we weren't good enough them day. We know we weren't, but now is the time where you respond. And let's try salvage something now of this season. Yes, maybe the title might be gone now at this point in the season. I know it's only November, but I'd imagine with the teams, with the standard that Liverpool and Man City have, and even Chelsea to the extent, like they've been quite consistent, and we haven't been that as, as consistent as them this season. Well, let's let's get win as much games of football as we can, and then let's see where we are later on the season. But if, if Solskjaer doesn't win these games of football, he's going to be under pressure and people are going to be, you know, they're going to be questioning his job, which look, football is a results business. If you don't get the results, ultimately people are going to question your future and rightly so if, if, if that's the case, you know, if you don't win enough games of football, people are going to have their doubts. But what I will repeat is, Ollie, when he's been under pressure in his time at Man United, he's always come back He's always got results and the players have played for him. So I think this is a massive, massive stage in my United season. And probably the most important part of the season now, these next two weeks, because you feel Real in the Champions League, lose that and you're, you're, the possibility of Thursday night football is there. Do you know Chelsea and Arsenal, four days between each other, they're two massive, massive fixtures, but winnable. Winnable. So I think we do have to we do have to get as much results as we can and as quickly as possible. Um, Lee, in terms of, I suppose, the, the loss of Rafael Varane at the moment, 
obviously he's been a, an integral figure when he's been fit. Um, I'll throw up a bit of a stat there for you. Um, when Varane's been playing this team, we've won 67% of the games he's been involved in. Whereas without Varane this season, we've only won 23% of our games when Varane's been not available. Are you concerned that you know without his presence at the back that maybe against these teams who do play this direct style like Watford or Chelsea when they when they, they might have Lukaku back doing next week for this? Are you concerned with the with the lack of Rafael Varane that maybe Oli has to play this defensive system to kind of accommodate for the loss of Varane? The, at the minute with you know, whoever we play, it could be Chelsea, it could be Wigan Athletic, and I'd still be concerned that we was going to get battered at the back. And that's just being truthful. If that team tomorrow, that 11, can't put and change and put a performance in where they show effort, they show willing, they show that they're going to turn things around against Watford, and it's the ideal opponents to do it. If we can't put an 11 out tomorrow for them to turn up and potentially get the season rolling, then I'd give up because... You know, you, you look at our 11, you look at Watford's 11. Yeah, they've got some decent players. Would you put them in your United squad? They won't get on the bench, let's be honest. Sir's a decent player. He's the only one really where, you know, we've, we've had Josh King, we let Josh King go. Everton's had Josh King, they let Josh King go. They're probably the two most dangerous players for them. For, for me, we should be now wiping the floor with them. And it's all right to blame Ollie and, you know, stats and you know, formations, I understand that, you know, we do need to be a lot more attacking, but players sometimes need to take it on the chin and they need to think enough's enough now, let's show what we can do. Tomorrow, they, they need to turn it around, they need to show that they're much better than they have been, which they are. We look at the individual brilliance like you've got, like you've just been on about Fernandez and his stats and, you know, the, the players we've got, the big money players we've got, what they've done at other clubs, we should literally be wiping the floor with Watford tomorrow. And I just think that it is a must that we turn up, we play well and, and, and we comprehensively beat them to get the season rolling. Like you said earlier, you listen to how, how we're speaking at the moment and like Phil said a little bit earlier, everything's negative about Man United at the moment. It's negative vibes, you know what I mean? At the beginning of the season, we were all hopeful that we'd be up there challenging for titles and, you know, it's been coming and look at the players we've signed and, you know, I, I actually thought we, we would do it this season. Or we, you know, we, we'd definitely be there or thereabouts. Now we're looking at top four and I'm, I'm not convinced unless we do very, very soon turn these performances and uh, turn these these games into wins that we might not even get top four, which will be disastrous. So just to get that point across, I feel like if we don't turn up tomorrow, then like I said, there's going to be me and there's going to be a hell of a lot of other guys what are not going to know where to turn and, you know, what's going on. As opposed to the defence, yeah, Varane for me is is the the best the, the best central defender that we've got. Um, massively, it's going to be a massive miss. Um, the other the other lads really haven't proved themselves. We've not got a a set back four where you'd say, yeah, this is going to be the back four. What's starting all the time now, especially with Maguire's performances. But individually, when they're on the when they're on the day and they're on the game, they're all good defenders, you know, world-class defenders. They're just not showing it. So, um, it's a hard one because, like I say, all season we've been banging on about a defensive midfield player. So it, what's what's missing? And I still do think it is missing. Um, but I think it's coming to light now. The problem's a lot more than just one defensive midfield player. I think it's the whole 
defensive system that we've got and the players that we've got what need to step up massively. Yeah, like I think the organisation has been a we've been a bit all over the place. Like at the back in midfield, it's a bit disjointed. Like the only I think organised performance I've seen this season from us probably over full ninety minutes is was Spurs away. I mean, look at the gaps between defence and attack. There was no space. Obviously, Leeds at the start of the season, like, you know, look, they're just tailor-made to play against us. We could play them every week. Nine times out of ten, we, we hammer them. Do you know, like, and that's with no disrespect. It's just the way they play falls into our hands and the type of players we have. But other than that, if you look at performances this season, over 90 minutes, we've never had kind of a sustained performance. And as you said, Lee, like at, it's been the players have been culpable at the back. They're like the manager can put me out on the football pitch and you can have as many tactics as you want and you can you can do as much in training. But if you're not switched on over ninety minutes, ultimately, do you know that's that's on you as well. Like I think it's a collection of everything. Obviously, at the moment, in terms of the you know, players, management, all that crack. Like it's it's all a collection of everything. And the blame is on everybody at the moment for the performances, not just one person. But I think at the moment, like I said, like I think tomorrow it needs there needs to be a comprehensive win tomorrow. Like even if we go out there tomorrow and win one nil or two one, and the performance isn't convincing, like I I will sit here next week and I will say like you know the same concerns I have that I'm saying tonight, and I, I've said every other week, you know, in terms of our performances. I think there's that there there needs to be a U-turn now. And the players really need to stand up, be held accountable. The manager needs to stand up, be held accountable. Like we're Manchester United Football Club at the end of the day, and there's a certain standard. And it has to be met at this football club. And one thing I say is at least you have to try. At least try. You know, because there's been times I've looked at the players and body language wise. Sometimes it looked like they can't be bothered. Do you know this? I was in the stands at the City game, and I, like I, I, I was looking at you know the likes of Rashford and Greenwood, and usually they're full of energy. They're walking. They're walking around on the pitch. So McTominay, like I seen Fred giving out to Harry Maguire, who's our captain at the end of the day. Like Fred was giving out to Maguire and trying to tell Maguire what to do. You know, Maguire kind of stood there, kind of his hands up like this, and saying. Like, I, I was like, I don't know. Like, at the end of the day, everyone needs to be held accountable at the minute. You're, you're professional footballers and you, you you earn hundreds of thousands of pounds a week and you wear the Man United badge. When you put on that shirt, and you two will know it. Like, you know, you know it best. Effort is expected when you go out on that football pitch. You wear your heart in your sleeve and you put your body and soul on the line for, a, for the Manchester United shirt. And if you don't do that, then look, maybe this football club isn't for you. Because yeah. there's a standard of this football club that needs to be met. And if you're not meeting that standard, do you know, you have to go elsewhere. The, the elite lost, what, 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 what I've watched of them the, the last, uh, like I said, the City game, they, they look like they're standing on, on the pitch. And yeah, they, they don't look like they're putting effort in, but it look, they look lost on the pitch. They don't look like they know where they should be or what they should be doing. I mean, I mentioned that, I don't I, I don't think it was on this show, I think it was on the other cast, what we do. Um when you're on about you, you're watching the lack of effort. I mean, obviously, I was a fullback, so I watched the fullbacks and the defenders a lot more than I watched any other positions. And 
we got taught basic. If if that you know the winger you're up against has got getting the ball, close him down, get the don't let him have his head up and get time to whip that ball in. It's like they just they don't even jog it. They're just like right, go on, pick your cross, and then I might come to you. And it's just it's it's just basic defending. What they don't look like. Should I? Should I not? Should I go? Should I not? I don't know what to do. They look lost. And, and whether that's coming from the management or just whether they're just they're just confused at the moment, I don't know. But it, it needs sorting. Yeah, they one hundred percent do. And again, it's a level of professionalism. I know we spoke of professionalism. Um, do you know? And if you're not putting effort in in a Manchester United shirt and you're playing like you're you have fear in your United shirt, then Maybe this club is too big for you, you know, and I think that's massive. Got to touch on Wayne's comment here as well, just obviously on a more positive note. Um, obviously, a huge thanks to everyone who's watching the podcast tonight and who do listen um, on Apple on Apple Podcasts and all the other audio platforms. So a huge thanks um, to everybody. Um, this season, our podcast is number one on the Independent United podcast on Apple Podcasts at the moment. It does mean a massive, you know, a lot to myself and Phil and Lee and, Paul and and Wayne and, and Dave and Scott, like everyone who's on this, everyone does a fantastic job and puts your fantastic commitment into this podcast. So thanks to thanks very much everyone for watching, everyone who listens. And though we do we do love coming here every week and talking about Man United and you know talking engaging with your comments and you know, receiving your feedback you know, after the shows. I, I really do enjoy it. Always love seeing it you know, before and after the shows. But thanks very much to everybody and you know look. We will be here all season. Plenty of podcasts to come. We've plenty of plans, not just for these normal podcasts. I've been talking to Wayne um, about a podcast, a new podcast I will be hosting um, on here on Talk to Devils, which will be coming soon as well. So do stay tuned um, for the amount of content we do have on, on our YouTube channel and also on our audio platforms. There's a lot of big plans coming this season. And so we do appreciate everyone's support um, this season and, and this all the time since we have been here so and, and thanks obviously Lee and Phil for coming on here and putting up with me um every Friday so they, they obviously busy men as well so look thanks very much to everybody for being on the show um moving on um to obviously lineups for tomorrow um three o'clock kickoff um you know, it is it is a big game for Man United there's some talks about back threes back fours certain players coming in Obviously, we're clamoring for certain players to come in. I'm just going to come to Phil first of all, in terms of his starting eleven, um, for tomorrow. And um, what would be your one to eleven tomorrow? And what formation are you going with? Uh, again, I, I touched on this last night. I think for me personally, I I would go a, a lot more attacking. I, I wouldn't have the uh, sort of three or five at the back, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'd go back to a more conventional sort of four at the back. Um, I'd, I'd put Van der Beek in there, definitely. Um, I'd give Sancho some minutes. Um, so, so my team would, would be De Gea in net, uh, Wan-Bissaka, Maguire, Lindelof, uh, Shaw. And then for me, tomorrow, I, I would actually just go with um, McTominay. Uh, and then I'd have Van der Beek, I'd have Sancho, I'd have um, Greenwood, I'd have Ronaldo, and I know obviously Pogba's not um, eligible, is he? Because he was sent off. So for me, I think, you know, I was going to say Jesse Lingard, but depending on obviously what um, 
obviously the backlash of this sort of social media post and stuff. I, I mean, I don't know what what will um, what will happen in in regards to that. I think you know, all he's obviously stated that he was going to be involved in 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 his plans sort of in the next couple of games. So whether that will materialise now, I'm not too sure. Um, but I do think there'll be a lot of changes tomorrow, and I think that would be the the wisest thing for Ollie. I think I, I mentioned it again last night that he's in a bit of a lose lose situation at the moment with with the team if he sticks and and sort of stays with the same team and we don't get the result he's he's there to be shot at and on the flip side of that if he makes a lot of changes and then we don't perform again you know he's he's going to be getting criticised and and people are going to be saying why didn't you you know stay with the same team so. Yeah, I, I actually think he should actually make a few changes and, and go with some of them players that haven't really been given the fair opportunity and, and let them have a little crack of the whip. I don't think we've got anything to lose, really. Yeah, definitely. I think we, we definitely have nothing to lose. And like I think if you look at an international break and certain players coming back kind of late from the break, for me, I'm definitely in, in the boat of giving a couple of players a chance. Obviously, the Champions League is after this as well, so you kind of have to have an eye on both games for me as well. So... I'm going to go De Gea, Wambasaka, Maguire, Bailly, um, Tellez. Um, I'm going to go with Van der Beek and I'm going to go with Matic in midfield. I think Fred obviously played 95 minutes the other night against Argentina and he actually played quite well, but he's coming back quite late. So will he start? I don't know. But for that reason, um, I'm going to go with Donny and Matic because both of them are fresh and I think for if we're going to a game where we want to keep keep the ball and have the ball, Matic and Van der Beek in this type of game against this type of setup would be you know, would be my would be my pairing and to dominate the play. Um obviously in front of him I go Bruno on the ten. Um again, just look that that inclusion speaks for itself in terms of you know what he can do. Jaden has to be given a go on the right for me. I think Sancho has to be there. I think, look, when he came on against City, yes, he didn't score and get an assist, but you could see what he could do in terms of taking the player taking the player on, beating him and getting a ball into the box. We need that. We need delivery into the box, especially for Cristiano. Um, do you know, it's, it is it is needed. Um, for me then, look, obviously, Jaden on the right, obviously Bruno 10. I'm going to go Marcus Rashford on the left because obviously, look, again, he's going to be fresh. He's been on form since he's come back. He's got a couple of goals. And to be fair, do you know, it, 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 he is a player against this Watford side. We need someone to players to get beyond Cristiano. Whereas we have San, Santos industry in terms of his creativity. You do need runners off Ronaldo as well. So for me, I think Rashford provides that off the left-hand side. And when you have Rashford obviously cutting in on the right, there's space on the overlap. And I think Alex Tellez would, you know, Give, give us that delivery from the left-hand side in, in that regard. So I think Rashford will be appropriate. Look, right, and again, look up top. Um, obviously, Cavani's still out, so the greatest of all time is up top, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, but look, I if Jesse was available, maybe Jesse could have played off, off the left or he could have played on the right, but he, he could have got a game. But after today, I don't know if the manager will give him a game. Um, but again, it's just one of them things. Um, I'm going to come to your uh, couple of comments as well just before I get these line up. Reese has chimed in with his lineup here now. Reese has said De Gea, Armand Bissaka, Boye uh, Maguire, Shaw, Tellez if Shaw is not fit, Matic, Van de Beek, Fernandez, Sancho, Greenwood, Lingard. Woo! He's, got, he's gone with Sancho, um, 
Greenwood Lingard front three. That would be ambitious only for, I think, obviously Lingard's situation today. I don't think that's going to happen now. Um, I come to another lineup here now. Come on, StreamYard. There you go. Billy is running his lineup here as well. Um, Billy says, David De Gea, Wan-Bissaka, Maguire, Lindelof, Tellez, Donny, McTominay, um, Sancho, Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo. Kind of similar to me and Phil's lineup. Um, yeah, that's the lineups we have there in the comments. Um, and also just a comment in for, um, from Wayne um, to myself, Lee and Phil. And uh, Wayne says, also personal note for me, Wayne, thanks to Keen, Lee and Phil for doing this every Friday night. Legends, a lot of you, a great conversation tonight in the show and in the chat. Absolutely. And guys, do get your comments in um, with regards to this weekend's game. Um, we will be doing our score predictions as well in the while. And I will be tr- throwing a couple of curveball questions um, at the lads as well, which I told made them aware that I will be throwing a, a couple of curveballs at them. I haven't told them what the questions are yet, so you know, stay tuned and um, for that later on the show. Um, but Lee, um, give us your starting eleven um, for tomorrow's game. I'm more or less the same as you, Keen. If I'm being honest, um, I've gone obviously the game in the next one Bissaka right back. <coughs> Did you go by it? I've gone by it, Maguire uh, as my centre back. Yeah, I went by Maguire. Yeah. I've gone Telles on the left. I'm not right in saying Shaw's injured, is he? Is it, I think is he it, might have got injured in the, with England. I'm not sure now. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a doubt around Shaw because of injury. So I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see Telles have a chance anyway. Um, you know, he's, I've watched videos recently, like I said, on the last podcast of him when he was away at, uh, over in Portugal. And he seems, if he could get a run of games, it could be a, you know, a real good prospect for us doing that left. So... I'd give him a go. I'd definitely put Van der Beek in. Um, like we've all said, it, it, we've been saying it from the, you know, buy someone, give them a chance, same as Sancho. And then if they don't take the chance, then fair enough, buy them off and get someone else in that position. But to not be giving you chance, it's criminal. You've got to give them a chance. It's It's got to be done. It's, it's rather now and ever now, isn't it? So for me, I'm going to go Van der Beek. Um, I would like to try him out with Fred. Um, like I say, I'm... I, I, for me, Fred gets a lot of stick off a lot of players, and I've said it many a time. I do think he can, it can be a, a, a bit of a scapegoat in that midfield sometimes. I think on his day, he's one of one of our best midfield players. Again, I don't think he's the answer what we need, but I I, I like the way he plays. I like the attitude he plays. If he gives hundred and ten percent every game, so I would uh, put Fred and Van der Beek in there. Sancho, I'd put on the right, put him in his position where he's been bought to play, give him a run of games. Let's see how he does. If he's not doing that well, it should have been done at the beginning of the season, to be honest. I know they did give him a, a couple of opportunities, but let the lad bet in and then make your decision, you know. And then if he's not done it for five, six, seven, eight games, then you know, let, let's have a look at putting Jesse in there or something. But for me, got to give Sancho a, a run now. Fernandez is an obvious, uh, obvious choice. Rashford on the left and Ronaldo up front. We have to put Ronaldo up front because he's the only one who's scoring our goals, really. So you you can't drop him at the minute. Yeah, definitely. I think look, when Cavani gets fit, and we want to play more attacking, maybe you can play Ronaldo and Cavani up there. Do you know maybe Ronaldo more to the left and Cavani up top, like we have done, or Cavani can even you know play as more of a left-sided forward if we need if need be. He did do that against Atalanta when he came off the bench. Um. There is options, and I think, look, we do need to utilise them, but as you said, Lee, I think Ronaldo is just a assert um, for up front at the minute, like he's banging in the goal this week in, week out, and 
like what was funny is like all the stuff that was said at the start of the season that Ronaldo was finished and this, that, and the other. Yet he is scoring more goals than the 100 million signing uh, at Chelsea at the minute in Romelu Lukaku. And he also got scored him last season and Ronaldo's 36 years of age. So, like, look, at the end of the day, I think 20 million is a bargain for the greatest of all time. And he's still scoring the goals now. Like, he's playing like a 100 million pound sign at the minute. Like, he's been the catalyst. Now, I wouldn't say like we've been successful this season, but he's been a catalyst for the successful results that we've got this season. I think that's a fair assessment. So I think, look, Cristiano, for we we do obviously have to manage him. Do you know we do have to obviously manage his minutes and stuff like that? But is a player. Well, look, we all know when you have a player of his quality in your squad, you more or less have to play him every week, one hundred percent. Um. In terms of score predictions um, for um, tomorrow's game, obviously, look, we've been, well, I've been giving dubious score predictions all season. I haven't got one right. Phil and Lee, to, be, to their credit, have got a couple right this season. I haven't. So let's get the lads' score predictions. And also, guys in the chat as well, give us your score predictions for tomorrow's game. Um, Phil, going to come to you first, pal. What's your score prediction for tomorrow? Um, two one. I, th- I said I said last night. I got asked last night what my score prediction was going to be. I said two one. I think it obviously it'll be a, a difficult game. I don't think it'll be a you know a game where we we're sort of free scoring and it's going to be a you know three or four goal margin. I think it'll be a, a tough game just because of obviously the way things have been going recently. Um, obviously Watford, you know, cause a few problems. Our defence haven't been able to keep clean sheets of late, so. I think we will just about get over the line, but I don't think it's going to be a, a sort of um, easy afternoon. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go for 2-1. So, Phil is going to go for a tough and, and a nail-biting um, 2-1 victory for Manchester United. Lee, are you in the same boat as Phil for tomorrow's no, I'm game? Actually, I'm actually going to disagree with Phil. <laughs> First time ever. Uh, and I'll probably be completely wrong and Phil will be right. But, like I said earlier in the, in the, the show... If it was me and I was playing tomorrow, and the way the, the way things have been going in the you know the recent weeks, if I was on that pitch, and I'm sure the lads want to prove a point. So for me, I think they'll go out there and hopefully they'll take the game by the scruff of the neck. And I, I'm gonna go for a very optimistic four-one win. Um, I, I really <laughs> gonna go for it. Uh, I, I think we'll concede because we're still shaky at the back, so I, I'm not going nil. Because I think we're always gonna we're always gonna concede a goal, but I think if the lads, you know, get themselves together and and try and prove that there is going to be a bit of a turning point in the season, then this is the game to do it, and this is the point, you know, the the game to show what the fans yeah. are, are going to go about it. Yeah, one hundred percent, and this is definitely a time to definitely bounce back and make a statement. Now, obviously, people say it's only Watford, but at the end of the day, you can only beat what's in front of you, and. Look, after two dismal results, a performance like that is needed to make a statement and away from home. Let's try to get that away form back to where it was. Because like 30 games unbeaten we went. Let's try to get that. Get let's try to do something like that again. That was something that Ollie did do last season that helped bring up that run and he did bounce back and had that unbeaten away records. So let's try let's try to get that again. For me, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going three 0 United tomorrow. I'm gonna give us a clean sheet and a couple of goals tomorrow. I think Cristiano will inevitably grab grab a brace. And do you know what? I'm going to go complete madness. I'm going to go Donny van der Beek to get on the score sheet as well. Um, 
to get a goal as well if he plays. Um, that that that'd be an absolute that'd be an absolute dream. Donny van der Beek getting a game and getting a goal at the same time. Men can dream. Just because we're in our, we're just because we're older doesn't mean we can't dream. So that's that's my result tomorrow. Three 0 and a Donny van der Beek goal. If this happens, Wayne, I know you're watching. We'll have to come back and quote this, one hundred percent. Um, but I'm going to come to the comments and score predictions as well. Um, just to go to the comments. Um, Reese said he's sticking to his guns and he's going to go three 0 as well. So. I'm not the only one who's mad enough to say um, 3 0 United tomorrow that we're actually going to score and keep a clean sheet. Um, Carlos in the comments as well says, I think we might draw. If the players do what they've been doing all season, we'll see more of the same one all. Um, get more score predictions. Um, Billy's in the comments as well. Um, Billy says, I'm going 2 1 United. You can see the usual 1 0 down. Twitter goes mental. Then 1 all. Bruno Fernandez scores. And then Mr. Neville, Cristiano Ronaldo scores the winner again. Jesus Christ, my blood pressure tomorrow would be through the roof if that happens tomorrow. Um, Reese also gives us his full scores if StreamYard will cooperate. And Reese says, um, 3 0 Greenwood, Maguire, and Sancho to get an assist or at least score himself. Yeah, I'd love to see actually a Sancho goal. Like people are calling him 007 at the minute. Um, but look. Let's hope he gets a score. He gets a goal, and people can stop branding him that. And Billy says, "I wish I could share your optimism." Um, he says, "I wish I can share your optimism, Keenly and Reese." Yeah, look, we're, I don't know if it's blind optimism at the minute, but um, you know, let's hope we can go out and then um, and get the result. I'm actually going to talk to the lads a bit off topic, just off topic of current Manchester United, because obviously both lads are former United players. Phil is still currently. Um, playing football at the minute. It's going to come to both of them with just with with, with a question. Because I've all, I've on my own like I've interviewed players before, and I've also I've, I've asked this question before. And in my time of talking to the lads the last two months, three months actually, sorry, never asked them this question. Phil, I come to you with this question first of all. In terms of like before a game and pre-match, do you have any like particular pre-match superstition or pre-match the kind of routine do you go through before every game or do you, do you kind of change it up before every game not really i mean I, I do sort of a few things the same but yeah i've never really been a superstitious type i, I always sort of just you know go with the flow um you know I'll, I'll eat maybe some of the same things um before the game on a morning of a match um, but when I actually get to the ground or whatever, when I'm playing, no, nothing really sort of um, that I've I've sort of done that you'd class as superstitious. I actually have kept um, the same pair of shin pads though for the last, I'd say about fifteen, you know, twenty years. I, I actually got a pair from. I've got my the same pair of shin pads that I got from when I was at United. I still wear them to this day. Um. So whether that counts as being superstitious, I don't know. But I, I kept them shin pads. I mean, I always used to, um, you know, play well in them and, and sort of just kept them. Uh, you know, shin pads don't really ever break unless you get a really bad tackle or whatever. So I've, I've kept them and, and they've served me well. So, yeah, that's that's, that's pretty much as superstitious as I get, yeah. Reese has his. I'm gonna to come to Lee on his one. Reese is out to give me his pre-match superstition as well for playing football. Reese says, "Oh Jesus Christ, how do you do this? 
always drink two bottles of Pepsi Max or Pepsi Max Terry and eat a bar of chocolate is mine. How are you doing that before a game and not getting cramped? How are you not, not getting cramped? You, you, you must do the, the mother of all stretching before the game if you're not getting cramped doing that before a game. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, Lee, do you ha- like when you were playing for Manchester United when you were playing football, did you have any particular like go-to pre-match meal or kind of do a pre-match kind of, I suppose, superstition or anything like that before a game? Uh, not, not, not as such, no... Uh... There was quite a few lads which used to do some very particular weird things what I could never really understand. Um, the, the meals were always kind of made for us anyway in the canteen before matches or took. Um, so we only had a, a very limited choice of, of, of food, what we could eat before a match anyway. Um, one of the things I did used to do um, was a couple of days before I used to get in uh, in the bath with my football boots on uh, because we used to have a room that used to mould to your feet and, you, you know, you'd... You, you'd be able to play better with the the boot was actually moulded to your feet. So I, I did used to do that. Was one thing I did used to do. Never used to work. I used to have damp socks when I used to go on the football pitch. You know what I mean? But um, <laughs> that was that was one thing I used to do. Um, and I always remember Paul Scholes gave me a pair of boots, very similar to Phil, where he said he's about his shin pads. He uh, always had the same shin pads. I I tried to every match. I wouldn't train in the the the, the boots that Scholes he gave me. But I'd always try and play my matches in them. I don't know why. Again, because you'd think you'd train in the in, in the boots you were going to play with. But I used to train in my own boots and then wear Scalzi's boots on uh, on a match day. So that was the only superstitions I had really. Pair of boots off Paul Scalzi. That's an absolute dream. And I, I had them for years, mate. Years I had them. Yeah, I was devastated when they were knackered. <laughs> oh, stop! Like I'd say, do you know what? You you put on the Paul Scalzi boots, and what you have to do is this. Look up and just try ping passes like he does. Yeah. Oh my god, that that was the problem. I couldn't fill them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Funny, funny you're talking about boots. When I actually was leaving, when I actually left, I went down and uh, seen Albert in the in the boot room, and uh, I actually raided like loads of the first team players' yeah. boots. Like I just said to him, "Any boots that are like going, can I have some?" And he, he gave me fair play to me, gave me like a little bin bag full of about five or six different players' boots. I've got like Rio Ferdinand's, I've got a pair of Ronaldo's, I've got Rooney's, Scholes's, and I, I kept the majority of them in, in me uh, mum and dad's cellar. Yeah. I've still actually got some of them now. I'll look with quality when he used to win yeah. like mad every time you used to ask him about anything, can we have a pair of boots or a jumper yeah. or everything that, you know, my shorts have ripped. He'd yeah. absolutely give you hell. But then instead of like, giving you one pair of yeah. boots, he'd give you three or four. Just give me the boots then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that her- one thing that I always sort of look back on and think, you know, the way we was treated when we was there, and and obviously they do anything for you, you know, you yeah, got treated yeah. like kings. Um, going abroad, you know, always had the best food, the best clothing, boot deals. Um, you know, it, it was sort of, and that's you know going back what 15, 20 years. So you know, I can only imagine what it's like nowadays. But, um. Yeah, amazing, obviously, memories and, and you know, to, to be able to get certain players' boots who, you know, for me, I've always treasured them and I actually wore a few pairs that I've got to give them which I wish I'd have kept really now because, you know, they're, they're sort of, you know, things that you, you'd want to sort of keep and look back on and, and sort of um, keep as, like, mementos. But, yeah, amazing um, sort of memories to, to think back and look back on them kind of things. And like in terms of like, do you know the 
your time, both your times with Man United, like in terms of being on the training ground and kind of you know, preparing for games and stuff like that, who would be like the, the best player in, in training? Like who would be the most competitive? Phil, who would be kind of, who was like the most competitive on the training ground? Um, To be honest, I mean, I, I wouldn't really single any player out. I, I'm, I'm just sort of, you know, very boring, but every single player used to be competitive. You know, when I, when I think back, every single player, whether it was training or in a match, they was all winners. They all wanted to, you know, be in the team, even though sometimes he wasn't in the team. He was all always trying to prove a point. Um, you know, the standard of training was always, like, really, really high. Um, you know, the coaches and, and the players, to be fair to them, never let that sort of standard dip. I think it obviously filtered down from the first team, that with, with the likes of, you know, the, the players they had. The, the, we, we obviously, you know watch them train and the way they did things and the professionalism and the winning mentality. I think that was sort of driven into everybody at the club. And, you know, we was very successful when I was there. I'm sure Lee was the same with, with these, uh, you know, respective teams when he was there. And I think that was just something that was a given. You all had to train as, as, as you play. And that's as the saying goes, you know. So for me, if I had to pick anyone, I've, I've touched on him a few times, like Paul McShane, I used to hate playing against him. He would he would be one who would always sort of, you know, get stuck in, throwing tackles in, even if it's just on a Friday, the day before a game, he'd be, you know, wearing his heart on his sleeve and, and you know, somebody who always uh, sort of, you know, gave 100%. And, and But again, I, I think that goes for all the players. There was never really anyone who I seen and, and thought, you know what, he never seems to, do anything in training but turns up on a match day because I, I don't think you can do that especially at that level of football you, you've got to um, you know do it consistently throughout the week whether you're in the gym whether you you know you're injured and you're trying to get back fit you've got to give 100% you've got to do everything you can to, to get yourself in the right sort of um, preparation to, to sort of you know give yourself the best chance and, and I think you know when I was there certainly the, the, the lads and, and all the sort of people was, was you know, all sort of pushing in the same direction for that goal. Yeah, and look, that's what, look, we always talk about in terms of United, like, it doesn't seem like that now, but, you know, we always have that level of standard. It's always good, it's always good to see that and you, you both experience it. I'm going to come to both of you this question. I'll give this go to Lee with this, with this one, first of all. Um, it says, can I ask Phil and Lee, um, who gave them the best advice of their career? So, Lee, I'll come to you first on that one. Yeah, I've I've seen Billy's question there. I've, I've just been having a little think as uh, as Phil was talking there. It's a great question. Um, I think the coaches overall, there's there's three probably main coaches for me. What stuck out um, from being picked up at nine year old, um, progressing obviously through the ranks and getting your you know your YTS and then going on to the seventeens and eighteens and getting your professional contracts. Um, I'd say the guys which offered me probably the most advice and you know helped me most throughout my career was a guy called Tony Whelan who's still heavily involved in the club now absolutely fantastic guy had us from being kids um, made every aspect about it fun but taught you respect and taught you the way Man United played so Tony would definitely be a guy who uh, I really look up to and I still do now he was a fantastic mentor moving on from him you had Paul McGuinness very similar um Worked with so many superstars. Um, bit of a legend again at the club himself. Can't speak highly enough of, of Paul. 
Um, fantastic bloke, still in, you know, in contact with him. Um, lovely guy, Man United through and through when he was there. Helped me out hell of a lot. Um, and then one of my personal favourites was a guy called Neil Bailey. Um, I knew Neil through, he's, he's from Wigan, where I'm from, so I knew him kind of outside his foot, you know, outside of football. I kind of know his daughter and, you know, his family. But Neil, again, was a, a fantastic guy who helped me out and gave me a, a hell of a lot of advice from probably 17 to 19. Um, they're, they're probably the three main coaches who, you know, uh, taught me a, a lot, not just about being a footballer, but about becoming a, you know, a decent man and a decent human being. And uh, I'll, I'll be forever grateful for that, if I'm being honest. And and with regards to this as well, um, Phil, obviously Lee's talked about the influences he's had there and, and he had quite a few at the football club in, in, in their career. Have uh, Who would be kind of the best person who's given you advice over, over your time at Man United? Um, yeah, I mean, just touching on the, the guys Lee's mentioned there again, you know, three amazing coaches, Tony Whelan, Paul McGuinness and Neil Bailey, the three coaches that I obviously had, you know, dealings with as, as Lee did and, you know, can't speak uh, highly enough of them. Um, you know, they they was fantastic with me again, and and I'm sure all the players who came through would, would echo that. For me, it was um, Eric Harrison actually, who who I actually sort of was the first person who who gave me sort of a little bit of a boost, and and he just sort of opened my eyes really to to sort of you know, what I was doing at the club. I think when I first initially signed at, at, at the club, I was 11 years of age and, you know, it was a massive jump from me for, for, from going playing, obviously, at Wigan Athletic, which was a centre of excellence to, you know, Manchester United, one of the biggest, if not the biggest club in the world. And, you know, to see how successful he was as well at that period, it was sort of a big daunting um, sort of thing for me. And, and, you know, being so young and, you know, going in there and playing with the players that I was playing with, I was sort of a little bit unsure whether I deserved to be there. You know, you question yourself sometimes when, you know, you, you're sort of making that massive step up. Um, but Eric, you know, fair play to him, I think he was about 13, 14 at the time. And I think I was going through a little bit of a bad spell where I think he just picked up on it that he, he maybe thought I was a little bit low on confidence or, you know, things weren't quite going the way. Um, I wanted him to and he just pulled me to one side and just sort of said to me listen he said this is Manchester United he said you you wouldn't be here if you wasn't good enough um, he said just believe in yourself and and sort of you know that basically just to, to, to say to me like you wouldn't be here basically if if you wasn't good enough and we all believe in you Um start believing in yourself a little bit more Um and, and from that sort of point onwards, you know, that, that was a big turning point for me. You know, I, I actually um, sort of took that on board, you know, understood what, what he was saying and, and sort of, you know, that, that was a, a sort of pivotal moment for me. I always remember that going home in the car and just thinking about it. And, you know, it, it was something where I, I actually, you know, React, got a, a positive reaction from that and I think it was something that obviously you know Eric's one of the, the, the best coaches that Manchester United's ever had if not the best um, so to, to obviously have that coming from him and obviously the players that he's you know coached and, and you know what they've gone on to achieve and stuff it was something that I obviously you know really sort of it meant a lot to me that and, and, and from that point I sort of started believing in myself a bit more being more confident and, and just, you know, trusting my own ability and, and, and 
obviously that that then you know helped me to to get a, a full time contract from the age of sixteen. There was only three lads obviously who got kept on at that point, um, myself, Danny Simpson, and, and Richie Jones. So you know if, if it wasn't for that talk maybe with Eric and and me maybe you know believing in myself a little bit more that that might have been you know a, a different outcome. So yeah, obviously that that sticks with me as as one of the biggest sort of um, sort of you know factors in in my sort of progression as a kid yeah and eric harrison is so someone's like one of the forefathers in terms of coaches at the cliff at manchester united someone who was world renowned in terms of his influence over manchester united's youth and especially like players like yourself lee obviously like so the skullsy gigsy the neville brothers they obviously all came through on their stewardship on, under Eric Carson as well in that time and he's someone who from everything I have um read about his work at my United everyone speaks so highly of him and someone who had such a great influence on, on the younger players at Manchester United and it's evident when you see players like yourselves yourself and Lee and, and like obviously all the other players have come out from our academy they, they've obviously come out being great players but they've also came out great humans as well and I think that 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 shines through through his stewardship at the time. So, do obviously uh, I see Reese's comments as well. Maybe always be resting in peace. Absolutely, and someone who's had a, a great influence over our, our great football club, and someone who is legendary um, at our football club, one hundred percent. It's going to come to Reese's um, comment there, uh, just for you both. Um, says which player had a nastier streak in games or training for your memories at United? Phil's already touched on it with uh, with, with Paul McShane. I don't know if he has anyone else. Lee, I'll come to you with this one. Who who had a kind of a nastier streak? Um, for you. Oh shit! You're on mute. Sorry, there. Sorry. Uh, I said uh, off off memory. Uh, the, the player for me, if if things weren't going his way, or he was having a bit of a a, a tough time. I always remember Kieran Richardson used to be one nasty little bugger. He, he didn't mind leaving a foot in ever. Uh, in training, if things weren't going his way, he'd leave a foot in on a Friday, even if he was playing on a Saturday. It was it was that kind of that kind of play, you know. He used to spit his dummy out and uh, try and take someone's leg off if things weren't going his way. So, yeah, I, I always remember Kieran being a, a little bit like that. Um, and the, the times I trained with the first team, I would say the most tenacious, and it probably won't come to a surprise to anyone really was was Paul Scholes. I think we've touched on this in the podcast before. Scholes did the first time I, I, I went training up with the first team. I'll I'll never forget it. I thought they'd take it nice and easy on me. I think I was about 17, 18 years uh, you know, of age. Uh first tackle absolutely mulled me. Um which which were which were fine, you know what I mean? But he 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 was one of them who <laughs> It, it, it like you're learning the, the real way straight away kind of thing and I always remember and, and Phil will probably tell you because I'm, I'm sure Phil probably trained with Scaldi more times than, than I did if there was a tackle there to be made whether it be training or you know a five aside or whatever he was making that tackle whether he took using the ball or just the ball that, that tackle was being made so yeah they're the two players that stick out in my mind with that one and like Scaldi was someone that's took no prisoners he literally just took took no prisoners on, on the training pitch or on the pitch. Great, brilliant technical footballer, but man, my God, he was someone who never took a prisoner and always had a great standard. And I just love Paul Scholes. Absolute genius. 
of a man and a footballer. Compton Billy as well says, amazing stories and sounds like amazing memories for you both too. Absolutely too. I always love listening to the two lads. I remember there at the last podcast, I sat here and just in awe, literally, <laughs> just, just listening to the two lads' stories. And it's always great to get, get their perspectives um, on their time with the football club. Come to come to Dave, Dave's comment in here now, and this is a good one. I'm glad I threw these curveballs in because these comments coming in are absolutely brilliant. Um, Dave says, salaries aside, who would you prefer to would you have preferred to play in today's Premier League or the era you you, you played in, Phil? Nah, hundred percent. I I would have preferred to have played when when I was there. I I just think the the players at that time, the, the dressing room, the, the the manager, um, obviously the way football's gone nowadays with all the social media and all that side of thing, I think it gets a little bit, you know, blown out of proportion. Where you know them players back in the day, that the only thing that mattered to them was winning three points on a Saturday and and if they didn't win um, I mean I've I seen Reese's comment before when he was saying about all these apologies on Twitter and stuff after every game I was thinking back and, and that made me think about I remember sometimes when some of the first team players used to get beat and the morning after you'd go into training and it'd be a different it'd be different with you not in a in a nasty way but you could tell that he was really really disappointed really really upset they had that steely look in their eye and, and they was looking forward to that next game of football to put it right and, and to make sure that, you know, whether it was a personal performance or as a collective group that they went out and, and made sure that they, they sort of had a positive reaction. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen uh, this day and age, but for me, instead of posting a tweet on Twitter or, you know, writing stuff on social media, you just get your head down and you, you concentrate on training hard the next day and you make sure... That, that next game you put it right and you bounce back and you at least work your socks off and give 100% which I don't think some of these current players are doing that's the bare minimum that you should be doing regardless of performance levels you've got to work hard and you've got to try and you know fight for every single ball which I don't think that's where we're at at this moment in time so for me if I was going to choose to play in the, the current um, sort of um period now or back then it, it had been definitely back then I, I just feel as though everything back then was was more sort of suited and more what I would want to be involved in and would you hold that same sentiment Lee, in terms of the, the both areas of the Premier League uh, yeah mate I, I'd, I'd get sent off every single game now if I played and that's not a word of a lie that I would definitely get sent off every single game I, I could not play this ticker tacker can't put your foot in the, the first thing I used to do, and I always remember, it was my dad what taught it me because I was always quite a, a small, you know, small defender. Um, the, the first thing I always got is make sure the player knows you're there on the first tackle. Do you know what I mean? That that was the mentality we grew up with, um, and it, it was either leaving a foot in or making sure you went in with a tackle hard. The tackles we used to put in what would be classed as a good tackle would now get you sent off. Uh, I, I, it's, for me, the game's gone too soft. Um, I know things evolve and things change, but for me, I, I like watching the, the the times before even I played. And you watch the likes of Vinnie Jones and people like that. You know, Eric Cantona, and you watch these type of guys who, you know, there was real men who, who, who liked to, you know, like to play the game and didn't do all this rolling over and, you know, you get touched in the eyes and you you go off for twenty minutes. And it's, it's just. It's not, it's not my game anymore. And it, I mean, you say game now, for me, it's more of a business football this day and age than a game when we were playing. 
you play because of the love of the game. You play salary. The question was with salaries. I think if you ask any of the lads from my team or Phil's team or that kind of even, you wasn't bothered what salary you was on. You was playing for Man United. You know what I mean? It was that was the law of of, of why we did it. We loved being at the club. We loved the club. Um, it didn't matter what you was getting offered a week or if you was any you know match winning bonuses. That it, it, you know it, it was a bonus at the end of the day. But just to be playing for Man United and playing the game you love, that that's where. That's what it felt like when we was playing. Like I said, this day and age, it just looks like there's no loyalty anymore with, with, with anyone, really, in world football. They just want to go where the money is. and it, 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 It's a no-brainer for me. I, I would have, I would have much rather have played when I was playing than, than to play the game now. Definitely. And talking about my favourite era of the Premier League. No, the Premier League now is fantastic. Like It's it's entertaining. and it, it's, it's a great level of football. Like Obviously, sports, science, and all that comes into it, Joe level of fitness and performance is, is, is great like don't get me wrong but like look at the era that I was brought up in watching the likes of Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, Wayne Rooney, Chris, like young Cristiano like that's the era I was brought up watching and, and, and like that's the era I look at and say like that was a great era of Premier League football and that'd be the one I'd, I'd rather myself if I was in your shoes um, but look the questions might have been absolutely fantastic and Look, again, I, I do appreciate your answers, guys, as well, in terms of your pre-match um, rituals and, and, and training ground and, and stuff like that. You know, I was hoping to get, I was hoping one of you would have a proper superstition. I was hoping to get that out of you. I was, I was just thinking, like all professional footballers, there's some sort of superstition or pre-match routine. Because I know myself, like playing myself, my, like, my pre-match superstition is I have to have a certain playlist on before every game. I have to have a certain playlist on in 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 the dressing room and like on on my headphones for the game. If I don't have them, have it on. It's 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 uh sets me off a bit if I don't have that certain playlist on to get me get me going and get me buzzing for a game. But that'd be my pre-match and um, superstition. And um, if that isn't played, then you know it's part of my routine gone. But that'd be my and um, superstition anyway. Pre-match superstition. If anyone in the comments wants to know, um. But look, thanks very much, everyone, for watching um today's podcast and um for listening um to today today's show um to live on YouTube or on our audio platforms. Literally, Reese just up the phone in the comment just before we finish up. I will ask this last question to Phil and Lee just before we wrap up, um. Just to bring it up, question for Phil and Lee. From your time at United, do you have any regrets with any? Do you have any regrets that you have and you could go back and change? He's going me off, Phil. <laughs> but go on, work away. Go on, Lee. You go. You go um, no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say regrets. Um, you know, at, at the at the time, I, I thought that I, I gave it my all. Um, you know, it's only when you, you know, I'm, I'm 30, 37 now and you look back and I've mentioned this guy before um, on the show, Ben Collett, you looked at the way Ben used to dedicate himself to the game and I thought I dedicated myself to the game but when it, it, it becomes blatantly obvious when you, you get out of the game and you get a little bit older, you probably could have done a little bit more, although at the time you think you can't and you know, you, you're doing everything you can in that. You look, like say so you look at the likes of Ben Collett and what he did, and maybe if I would have just give it that little bit extra, you know, I might have got that nod where other other lads were getting that nod to go playing with the first team and that. But no, no regrets. Um, like I say, we met, one of the guys mentioned it about the memories. It's it's although 
we've not made the money and we've not had the lifestyles probably that most lads who, who go on and play for United have. The memories stick with you for a lifetime, you know what I mean? You, you, the, the memories what can't be taken away and you'd much rather have, have, have lived at United and grew up at United for 11, 12 years and had the memories than not. So, regrets, no. Um, I, I'd do it all again in a heartbeat, if I'm being honest. Yeah, absolutely. And no one can take away their memories. Nobody can take that away from you. And the fact you've played for Manchester United, the biggest club in the world, and the club that you love, there's no better feeling than that. Phil, do you have any regrets or anything like that just on the back of Reese's comment? Yeah, pretty much same as Lee. Really, I think you know, when you're there at the time, you do feel as though you, you're giving it everything and you're doing extra. But, you know, someone like a Ben Collett, who, who, you know, I remember Ben and he used to be doing you know, so much more than any of the other lads and, and sort of going that extra mile, if you like. He, he was somebody who, you know, at the time used to get probably a lot of stick off some of the other lads and, and you know, he was, you know, maybe made a little bit of a sort of um, made fun of, if you like. But again, it, it's, you know, he, he was doing it for the benefit of himself. He wanted to make himself the best player he could be and, and you know, when you look back at that, you know, fair play to Ben and obviously he had a bad injury and something like that, which ended his career, but he was doing everything he could to, to make himself as, as 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 good as he could be. And I think for me, yeah, it could have maybe done a little bit more, you know, if the, if I hadn't been involved in that car crash, you know, I didn't get in the car at that moment in time, you know, you can't, obviously, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing and I can't say I, I regret doing that, but obviously that, at that moment in time was probably when I was sort of, you know, playing some of my best football. We'd just been, um, you know, captain of the youth team. Um, I'd, I'd made me a reserve team debut and stuff like that. And then, you know, I, I get in that car accident and I'm, I'm out for 12 months, um, missing out on 12 months of sort of progression and, and football. So obviously that was a big sort of turning point for me and a, and a big thing to sort of uh, try and recover from. That was a, a massive setback. Um, sort of a pivotal time but yeah other than that really I, I don't really have any regrets I think you know you've, you've um, as Lee's touched on there you've got the memories that stay with you for, for your rest of your life um, and and that's something that you know people can can never take away from you you know yeah, we was lucky enough to play with some of the world's best players you know probably one of the best managers that's ever been um, and as I say you know we went to amazing countries you know we got treated so well um you know got all the best boots clothes food you know so you know it was it was just an amazing experience and, and I, as lee said we, we'd do it again in a heartbeat if we could yeah absolutely and like again like and you've played with all these great players you've gone on all these kind of great experiences that you've had that, that's something that you can tell your kids your grandkids you know you, you can tell your family your friends like no, no one can take that away from you and something that not many people in this world are fortunate enough to play for manchester united football club and you two have had that had that privilege so that's absolutely fantastic i know we're meant to wrap it up there but literally two final questions have just come into the comments and they've both said last question so i'm always i'm always a man oh i'm always a man of the people so look i will absolutely come to everyone's comments Dave says here, last question for me. The level of player across all clubs has dropped dramatically over the past 10 years. Do you think you'd have made a better career in the Premier League if you played today? Um, I'll come to you firstly with that. 
question. Uh, what was the question? Do you think you'd, you'd have a better career if he was playing today? Was that was that the was that the question? Do you think you'd have a better chance yeah. of playing this day and age than when we um, were? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like I say, I, I, I was kind of an old school defender, and and that that's that's been wiped out the game now. I mean, I I, I did like overlapping. I did like attacking. Um, and for the last, I'd say, couple of years, we did play as a wing back. Um, it's just it, I'd have to adapt my game massively if I was to have played today. Um, it was injury what 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 stopped me from playing um, at 21. Um, I snapped my medial ligament in my knee, um, and I couldn't get back. I tried for years and years. I'm t- to be fair to Sir Alex Ferguson when I was 20. I thought I was getting released, and he drugged me in the office, and he he actually gave me another year's extension. Although I I hadn't really played that much that season, so they did give me the the opportunity to try to try and get my knee better. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, so it was kind of I didn't really know, and you don't really get that closure really because when injury finishes you as a footballer, um, you don't know how far you could have actually gone. Um, but as as of today, I would say no. I, I think he had a, a real good opportunity when I was playing um, to further to further my progression. If not with United, you know, hopefully with with, with being a Premier League player. Uh, just unfortunately, Manny had different ideas. These are things you can't control. At the end of the day, like you know, injuries happen in football, and you know, it's always kind of a case of you know wrong place at the wrong time and unfortunately that happened for Yuli but again as you said like you can't take their memories away like and again it's just it's like Sir Alex to give you that extra year you know he had that confidence in you to, to rebuild yourself so that's something that can't be taken away 100% and um, Phil are you the same do you think you maybe like when you look at your career obviously being a great attacker and scoring a lot of goals do you think looking at this day and age of, of Premier League football now would you like would you like to play in that yeah I mean I, I think for me personally at my time at United I had that injury and then I came back and you know I ended up managing to, to make my debut and stuff but um, for me at that moment in time in terms of trying to break into that team with the likes of Rooney you know Chris, Cristiano Ronaldo Van Nistelrooy all these players it was so difficult for a young lad um, to sort of break into that, you know, team and, and try and get it of breaking into the team. Whereas, you know, as as the transitional period for Man United now, the the sort of you know, there's not really obviously until Cristiano Ronaldo's come back to the club, there wasn't really anyone who was you know like an absolute nailed on cert to be playing. And I think younger players, as we've seen with the likes of Greenwood, Rashford, McTominay, Lingard, get more of an opportunity to to maybe come in and, and you know play play more games um so yeah i think obviously if it had been at the club maybe you know 10 15 years later uh, i might have got more opportunities to play first team football but um again you know that's just hindsight i would i would obviously love playing today's game i think it's you know suited to my style of play obviously i'm getting on now but when i was in my prime you know i'd love to have been playing in the premier league the, the speed of the game and um, you know all that kind of stuff. I, I would have uh, loved loved to have been involved. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And like again, you, as an attacker, like when you look at the your time at the football club, you had obviously you had Wayne Rooney, Ruben Nistelrooy, Ronaldo, Luis Saha, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, Alan Smith, 
the competition you had, Phil, was absolutely yeah. ridiculous, man. But the quality in training, I'd say, I'd say shooting drills must have been an absolute treat. Yeah, it was, um, and and that's not to mention obviously the other lads as well who was trying to get in, involved like into the team with me, like Giuseppe Rossi, Fraser yeah. Campbell, Danny Welbeck, uh, Sylvan Ebanks Blake. You know, all these are kind of players as well. You know, players who were, you know, knocking on the door like myself, trying to get into that first team setup. So, yeah, obviously, you know, difficult time to to sort of you know break into the team but again you've got tough competition every which way you look so it was it was all obviously going to be a hard task for anybody yeah 100% final question of the night guys uh, who is the one player Phil and Lee played with who they're surprised didn't make it at United I'll come to you first Phil with that Um, probably t- Two players stand out. I mean, I wouldn't say they didn't make it at United, but obviously Gerard Piquet, you know, with the career he's had, uh, maybe wasn't given enough time maybe to, to sort of, you know, get himself settled into the English game. I think he struggled a little bit with the physical side of, of the English game when he came over initially. Um, obviously playing in Spain, you know, you get a lot more time on the ball, um, stuff like that. Whereas when he came over, he, I remember him, you know, on the ball, he was fantastic and, you know, great, great driving out of the defence and playing balls into the midfield and stuff, but just the physical elements and, and obviously playing the, 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 the tempo and the speed of the English game sort of caught up with him a little bit, I think. But, you know, he was someone who obviously went back to Barcelona and, and you know, he's been one of the best um, centre-backs in, in world football for, for the last decade. So he was somebody, who, you know, I was a little bit surprised that looking back didn't maybe, you know, play as much and maybe, you know, the club, could have kept him but again that's obviously you know fair play to him he was, he was always going to go back to Barcelona but the other one I just mentioned was Giuseppe Rossi I think he was somebody when I sort of um, you know went full time and, and he signed he was somebody who I actually thought was probably you know one of the technically best players I've I seen at that level um, in terms of size he was very small but he made up for it with the ability he had on the ball. His feet were unbelievable. He was yeah, he's very quick feet, didn't he? Yeah, he had he had unbelievable feet, and he was really strong as well. Actually, for for quite a small guy, um, and I had some great sort of matches playing up front with him, and and we sort of hit off a, a good partnership. And I used to you know enjoy playing with him because he he made intelligent runs, and we sort of you know had a, had a good relationship. So for me, I thought he was sort of someone who I was banking on to sort of break into the first team and do really well. I mean, he's had a fantastic career. But again, because of the calibre of players that was in front of him at that time, I don't think he sort of got a, you know, fair or maybe couldn't get a, a, a decent enough sort of crack at the whip to, to sort of, you know, nail down a, a regular sort of run of games. But he was an exceptional talent who, who I thought would have been somebody who, who would have played for United a lot more than he did. Yeah, he was the, he was an exceptional talent. I remember watching him like years ago, even when he went on to play in Italy afterwards, um, after United, like he's very quick feet, very intelligent the way he moves and mm-hmm. good little finisher as well. Um kind of do you know player who reminds me of small but like that was Javier Hernandez as well. After that, he was kind of similar to him in terms of the way he'd move and how like he'd have quick feet and know where to be at that kind of crucial time. Kind of they they're kind of very similar in the way they play. Um Lee, for yourself, any just on the back of the, the final question, any player who you played with the time of United, um, that you know 
you were surprised they didn't kind of reach their full potential at the football club. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's total agreement with with Phil with this one. I think if you ask um, any any player of, of my era and of Phil's era and in and around the age groups, how the hell did you say Pirossi didn't nail down a first team place? From from what we've seen of him, uh, you know, got me beat. He, he was a level above what all we was doing in the reserves. Um, when he, when he trained with the first team, he, he, he looked comfortable. He, he looked nailed on. To uh, you know, to, to break through and be the next big thing for United, I, I was very, very surprised when he when he got released. Um, the potential he had was 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 massive. Um, it was it was an outstanding footballer. Phil's just his attribute. He had everything really, didn't he? Phil, he was he was strong. He weren't so big, but he was he was very strong. Could hold the ball up. He, he was skillful. He could score the goal from nothing. Um, great lad too. Great uh, great mentality. Um, Fantastic on and off the pitch, and like Phil said, he has gone on to have a, a great career. But again, you ask any lad um, who had the, the pleasure of sharing a pitch with him for a couple of seasons, like we did, and I think the law tell you the same. It, it would be definitely Giuseppe Rossi. Yeah, definitely is a fantastic player and someone who, look, he did have a very good career, like in terms of other clubs, you know, after Man United. So definitely a player who who is a, who was someone who. Maybe he didn't like fully make it at Man United, but he made it elsewhere and, you know, done very well for himself. Um, but that's all we got time for today, guys. Um, thanks very much, everyone, for your comments and your questions um, in there tonight. We'll be back next Friday um, with, with the podcast um, again at the, at the usual time. Um, we will be talking Manchester United versus Chelsea. That will be a massive game. Hopefully we're talking about a win tomorrow as well. And, you know, Look, we look ahead to that game as well, um, as well as the Champions League. So, look, thanks very much, everyone, tuning in and everyone who's going to listen on our audio platforms as well. Don't forget, guys, hit that subscribe button just before, just below, and um, Lee there, and um, to the right of Lee, um, on your screen. And um, we're we're actually nearly a three K subscribers. So, if you're watching for the first time, you do like the stories from from Lee and Phil. Um, do do hit that subscribe button. We do always have former players on this podcast. We've had we have Paul Parker um on every Monday um with Wayne and then also we've former United defender Scott Wooten um on with Dave as well every Sunday. So look, do check that out um on on our, on our YouTube channel and look they're also on our audio platforms and um, such as Apple Podcasts and so on. Thanks very much, everyone, for, for, for watching. Check out www.talkasevils.co.uk. And until next time, we'll see you next Friday.